1: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
2: Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSR, and download the app on iOS or Android anywhere in your app stores. we got a great show for you guys today, as we always do, but very excited about today's show because we are going over some off-season stuff that broke later this week. We we didn't even think we were going to be talking about more off-season stuff, frankly, this week. And because we didn't, we actually have extra content for you because we're talking about draft wide receivers, draft tight ends, where we think these guys could go, what their possibilities as fantasy assets are going to be. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Maynard, but I'm joined here again today by Mr. Christopher Dowhower. Chris, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. I'm super excited about talking some more football. Like you said, it's been an exciting offseason and we're about to kick off some more about the draft as well.
2: Yeah, and draft is coming up three, or we're, what, three weeks away now, I think. It, it, yeah, coming, exactly. coming. We're going to be having the belly-up sports MDs and BFLs NFL draft coverage April 29th and April 30th. We'll be starting a half hour before the draft actually starts to give you guys a preview show. Chris and I will be hosting that. We're going to have up to 50 different guests throughout the day one and day two festivities. It's going to be great. We're going to have pick-by-pick betting analysis with with football analysis and fantasy analysis. Everything you could possibly hope for in NFL draft coverage, we're going to be bringing to you on all of your social media outlets, on YouTube, anywhere you can go. You will easily be able to access us to be able to watch that stream and best part is it's commercial free so you're not going to have to deal with that either it's really going to be the best way for you guys to watch the draft this year very excited about that but i do want to get today's show we don't have ben with us today however he did make sure that he pre-recorded the mailbag questions so we will have that he'll be here with us in spirit in that sense and also, gives me a chance to remind you guys, if you want to get on the mailbag statement or if you need any help in fantasy football purposes whatsoever, all you have to do is hit me up on social media, at Show. We will answer any one of your questions, help you in any way we possibly can, because that's what we're here to do. And the few questions we do like, we'll go ahead and put them on the show like we do every single week. We also have some polls we'll go over that MD Nation was kind enough to vote on to give us some idea of what the people are thinking out there in different fantasy situations coming up in 2021 and for some dynasty purposes as well. So all of that's going to be jam-packed in today's show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. So let's dive into it today. Let's dive into the head story of the week, which, of course, was the Sam Darnold trade to Carolina. He's gone. He's done. The Jets have said, you know what? Adam Gase is gone. Now Sam Darnold is gone. We are hitting the reset button completely moving in with the new regime, especially with the head coach and everything. Joe Douglas has been there for a year, but essentially a new regime because he didn't really get to do his thing with Adam Gase there. Now I had a million different thoughts about this but Chris I'm gonna let you go ahead first give me you know what you think this means from a fantasy perspective give me what you think this means for the Jets give me what you think this means for Carolina because we can step outside of the fantasy bubble in this instance because the one nice thing about doing a fantasy football show in the springtime especially is that you can kind of step outside of the bubble a little bit it doesn't have to be strictly fantasy all the time and kind of give our football acumen here as well so we have a chance to do that here so, so go ahead tell me what you thought about this Sam Darnold trait
0: I mean, I think it was an absolutely tremendous move by the Jets. Um, I think that Zach Wilson is a superstar, in my opinion, that's going to be a superstar quarterback in this league. And the ability to get a second rounder next year and a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder this year for a guy they pretty much were been shopping, I think, pretty much the whole offseason. You've seen a lot of other quarterbacks get moved. Um, Carson Wentz didn't really fetch the first round they were hoping for. But this isn't much farther behind what Carson Wentz basically got the Eagles. Um, I think that when you look at the Jets moving forward, like you talked about a new regime, they have their guy. Um, you see like the league kind of moving in this direction where guys always trying to get their guy in a sense. Um, but I'm excited for the Jets. Carolina, on the other hand, not really sure what they're doing. They seem to try to – they're kind of grasping, I think, at what was left on the market. Um, they kind of struck out, it seems like, on the Matthew Stafford move. They struck out Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Watson kind of – has his own issues, has kind of sabotaged that situation. We'll
2: talk about that in a second,
0: too. Yeah, um, but I also think that moving forward, it doesn't have a whole lot of implications fantasy-wise, um, in my opinion, for the, the Carolina Panthers. Um, I don't think St. Darnold's going to bring a whole lot different than Teddy Bridgewater kind of brought last year. Maybe a little bit more pushing down the ball to the field, maybe a little more aggressive um, with you know the intermediate throws, but I really don't think it changes a lot for Carolina. On the Jets side, I do think it changes a lot for the Jets where you have players like Mims, you have Crowder, you have Corey Davis. There's rumors they might add add another weapon to that arsenal moving forward. And I think Zach Wilson has the arm talent um, and the ability to really open up the Jets' offense.
2: Yeah, we've talked about him time and time again, how he is our number two on our board. You went as far to say as you might have as a 1A, 1B with Trevor Lawrence, which I can't really disagree with either with the assessment that I've been able to see with him on tape. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm going to take this from from the Jets standpoint. This was the most you were going to get back. There was a ton of reaction when this trade first went down about people blaming the Jets. Hey, why didn't you get a first rounder? Why didn't you get more? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, have you guys been paying attention to this entire offseason? He's been on the block since March, since probably actually probably before that, probably since they hired Robert Salee. So uh, the idea that they were going to be able to get more for him, how? Why? The quarterbacks, like you to your point, are pretty much all off the market. After the 49ers made their move, you pretty much had Carolina and Denver as the last two teams in the top 10 who are looking for quarterbacks. And if it's not going to be a Deshaun Watson, if it wasn't going to be a big blockbuster trade for Russell Wilson, well, the last guy left is Sam Darnold. And if they get a second-rounder, a fourth-rounder, second fourth and a sixth-rounder this year, the, uh, the second and fourth-rounder for next year, that, that is probably the best they could have done. I don't think they could have done much better than that. And they're set up now in a nice position this draft and next year's draft where they're going to be able to make a lot of picks in the first two rounds. So when you're talking about bringing in a new regime who wants to hit the reset button, you have all the ammunition in the world now to truly build this team in whatever image that you want to build it in. So there's going to be no excuses now for Joe Douglas or Robert Sleep because you're going to have all the pieces in place to hit the reset button and move in a different direction. To your point on the Carolina Panthers side, and I think I think we're in the minority here, Chris. Because I think a lot of people look at Sam Darnold as this guy who still has this untapped potential because he's 23 years old. And I couldn't disagree more. He was bad before Adam Gase got there. Let's not forget that. And Adam Gase isn't the only reason he was bad. And as far as your point of like maybe he pushes the ball down the field more, does he? Because Teddy Bridgewater last season was 17th in deep ball attempts. Sam Darnold was 25th on a per-game basis. On a per-game basis. So I'm not talking about because Teddy Bridgewater played more games than Sam Darnold. He had more attempts. On a per-game basis, he threw the ball down the field more often than Sam Darnold did. And that's something that goes back to even when Robbie Anderson was on the team. I, I, we can go further back. Because I know last year, you know, you mostly had James O'Kroud Denzel Mims didn't play too much. You had Brashad Perriman really as your only other deep threat. You go back to previous years, Sam Darnold, and this is a big reason why I had a problem with him coming out of USC, was that he is has a mentality of a check down, play a conservative quarterback who doesn't have, you know, sky's the limit type of arm talent to begin with. So I don't understand. I don't think this changes. I'm with you. I don't think this changes anything for Carolina, not from a fantasy standpoint, not from a football standpoint, nothing. He is Sam Darnold. Or I'm, I'm sorry, Sam Darnold is Teddy Bridgewater. I mean that they're game managers at best. That's what they are. So this doesn't open up the field for Robbie. I saw all these, you know, these tweets and all these guys talking about oh, the chemistry between Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold and what that's going to mean and blah blah blah. I'll go back, actually look at the game logs with Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson wasn't worth anything in fantasy football until the last four to five games in the season. Because what would happen is Sam Darnold and Adam Gase would play their little check down game for the first 10 to 11 games of the season. Then suddenly, when there's nothing left to lose, Darnold said, you know what? Fine, I'll start throwing it up to Robbie Anderson down the field. And then it would be for the fantasy playoffs. And I think this is why, especially in the fantasy industry, people forget this. It would be in the fantasy playoffs that Robbie Anderson would suddenly come alive. Because now all of a sudden, they decided to chuck the ball down the field because they had nothing to lose at that point. But it wouldn't be until that point that they would actually get aggressive, that Sam Darnold actually aggressive. And this is my point of why Darnold has to have a lot of blame for why he is a bust outside of Adam Gase, because Adam Gase may call up the plays, and it may be a terrible scheme, and you're never going to get a disagreement out of me for that. I've been riding Adam Gase's tail uh, ever since his Miami, uh, frankly, ever since the Chicago days. And even on this show, since this show has started, I've ridden his tail. But it's still Sam Darnold at the end of the day who decides who he's going to throw the ball to, where he's going to go. So that's why I put this on him. So that is why I, I have a big problem with this when it comes to Carolina. I, I don't see I don't see the upside here. I don't see you getting better. You want to make the argument to me that because he's 23 and that you think with Matt Roll and Joe Brady, because they're such good offensive minds that they can make a change here. I'll give you that argument to an extent. I'll give you that argument to an extent because Matt Rule and Joe Brady have earned that after what we saw of them last season, that they might have the benefit of the doubt for me when it comes to that. But still, when it comes to actual talent, nobody wants to recognize it because they still have this Sam Darnold USC picture in their head of what they thought he might be. He's He is Teddy Bridgewater. He is. So from a fantasy standpoint, it just changes nothing for Carolina. Darnold doesn't become a fantasy quarterback relevant in, in my mind. We'll see where Teddy Bridgewater winds up going. I have no doubt that they'll find a way to move him at some point. And now it also affects the draft because Carolina is not going to be a team looking to move up anymore. So now it makes it real interesting with Denver and New England, how this whole thing is going to go down. And for the Jets, I love it. I've said it on this show numerous times. Zach Wilson is the pick that the Jets need to make. He is the guy that they need to move on from. He is the franchise quarterback and he can turn an organization around. And when you add his skill set to that Shanahan concept offense, and what they're going to be able to do, the Jets are going to have a good rushing attack. And I, I feel pretty confident they're going to wind up drafting a running back in the second round. It's not going to be Tevin Coleman. It's not going to be a Michael Perrine. They're, they're going to draft another running back, I think, in the second round, or maybe they'll wait till the third round. But I still think you can get... If they got a Javante Williams in that system in the second round with Zach Wilson, and I like some of the talent they have at the wide receiver position, especially if Denzel Mims can take the next step up. This is an offense that could instantly be at least competent even in Zach Wilson's rookie year. So I, from a fantasy standpoint, I am going to have Zach Wilson as a streaming option. Not a guy I'm going to be drafting in redraft leagues, but a streaming option because he's going to run the ball and he's going to be given that opportunity. And I like the offensive fit that he is going to be in. From a dynasty standpoint, it just kind of confirms that I'm going to go, if it's if it's you know super flex leagues, I'm going to go Lawrence and Zach Wilson one and two. Either way, even if it's a single quarterback league, Wilson's going to be my second rookie running back off the board period. So that's where it affects it from a dynasty position. But th- this trade was huge because it so many angles that you had to play this from. Uh, is there anything about what I said that you want to rebuttal on?
0: No, I just want to add to it a little bit. I think one of the things that also needs to be thrown into the equation is Sam Donald due to make $18.8 million next year. So the Jets not only were able to get picks, they haven't gotten the last year of his deal who they frankly weren't sure if they're going to pay. We Kai kind of saw this play out with Mitchell Trubisky last year in Chicago. Um, they moved ahead and got a pick before they blew up in their face, basically. And I think that was genius on their part. While Carolina basically is on the same hook for another $18 million, similar to Bridgewater's deal was with $20 million, um, they didn't really open up any kind of cap space. And they pretty much have to evaluate this year immediately, is he the guy long-term or not the long-term? Um, and I think when you look at, will Sam Donald improve? With the surrounding talent in Carolina, will he improve with a better coaching, not being on Adam Gase? Sure. But this isn't a Ryan Tannehill situation. Ryan Tannehill had to deal with Adam Gase for most of his career. And once he went to Tennessee, everybody saw, oh, this, look how much better he is now. Sam Darnold didn't have any favors done by the Jets. The Jets did not start him with talent. Yes, there wasn't great players. No, it was a great line. Adam Gase is a terrible offensive coordinator and a terrible coach. Having said all that, they didn't force him to see ghosts. It didn't force him to... Um, have 31. We finished 31st in QBR last year. I think we look at a guy like to your point that we've seen kind of his upside, so to speak. He wasn't that great in USC. People forget this guy was came in with a lot of esteem and almost lost his job two or three times while he's at USC. So I'm not super impressed by this. And I think that Carolina, like I said, is kind of grasping at straws. Now they they, they keep reassuring people that doesn't mean they're locked in at quarterback moving forward, and they can still get out of the contract. But this isn't even a Josh Rosen situation where they still have three or four years to. Uh Miami mean, saw three or four years to kind of vote $2 million player Um, to divide with what he wanted to do moving forward. This is a guy who got picked number three and he's going to make number three money next year. So that's to me just and with, did a great the, move. With
2: the draft capital that they gave up to your point, you have to know what he is this year. If you're going to pay him or not, Sam Darnold's a starter for Carolina. They can say Absolutely. all they want. To, they can say what oh, they want yeah. to about the not being locked in a quarterback when it comes to the NFL draft. They're like, oh, we might still take what? No. No, that that is a quintessential lie because you have to start Sam Darnold now because you have to know if it's going to be worth the investment that you just gave up for the future. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll just add to that for those people out there who want to look at, you know, Sam Darnold is better than Teddy Bridgewater from a fantasy perspective. Teddy Bridgewater, 15.5 fantasy points per game last year. Sam Darnold, 10.6. Don't tell me he's an improvement in any kind of capacity. Unfortunately, we do have to give an update. I felt like this week on the Sean Watson uh, again. Now this is a fantasy show, so we will refrain from getting into too many of the you know the legal details or anything like that. But it's up to twenty-two women, so now we're we're trying to you know help you guys out from a dynasty perspective right now. Redraft will take care of itself. We'll know in August if he's stepping on the field or not. So I'm not worried about this from a redraft perspective. But from a dynasty perspective, if you have Deshaun Watson, what do you do? And here's my thing. You have, to, you have to hold. You do. Because right now, you are going to get rock bottom if you try to trade him away. And on the off chance that he somehow comes out of this and is able to still play this season, then you're going to have more value keeping him than you are going to be trading away. And if you don't have him, well, you know what? If you want to see if you can get them at a rock-bottom price, if somebody's just like, you know what? The hell with this. I want to just get out of the Sean Watson sweepstakes. Or sometimes, and I think this is a good point here, and it kind of plays to the show, because the one of the things about this show that I like to harp on is that we are here to help everyone try to be a better fantasy player by thinking about it from every variable. There's a lot of people out there who will play fantasy football with their heart rather than with their head. And what I mean by that in this situation is that they're going to look at this and say, Deshaun Watson is a scumbag. I don't want him on my fantasy team anymore. And therefore, you might be able to get him for rock-bottom prices. So I would throw a couple of offers out there. You're not going to have to give up much just to see what would happen because it's a high-reward, high low-risk situation if you're standing from a dynasty standpoint if you're trying to buy Watson now obviously don't give up anything crazy of value but see if the owner in your league who has him just wants to move on. I I would typically do that. Regardless of what's happening with the legal situation it's worth taking the risk on. So that's just from a fantasy football mindset. You you have anything to add to that?
0: No, I think you make an excellent point. I mean, there's nothing to really gain from moving on from him other than if you if it's something personal, I respect that. But to your point, if you're trying to win fantasy then you do try to buy, maybe throw some offers out there, see if you can get rock-bottom prices. I do wonder how it affects some of the other players around him, though, like a Brandon Cooks and things along those lines. It's going to be a really interesting year to kind of see how things unfold. And even if we don't have things resolved, you still have to see what the kind of commissioner is going to do. We'll be putting an exempt list. Um, hopefully, maybe you have an IR position where, depending on how your league rules work, maybe you can put him on IR during that time frame. So there's some things you have to kind of consider depending on what your rules in your league are to see how aggressive or unaggressive you should be using Deshaun Watson or moving Deshaun Watson.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that as well. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, I do want to kind of talk about that a little bit though, like the point of people using their principles when playing fantasy football. Look, you play however you want to play. But what I will say is this. Fantasy football, you are better at it when you use your head and not your heart, so in these type of situations, you're not the you know you're not a real organization. You're not putting out PR fires because you have Deshaun Watson on your team. So I, I don't get the whole idea of like this guy's a scumbag. I'm not going to have him in fantasy football. I want to win the league, whatever cost that is. This is a fantasy game. It's a computer simulated game. At the end of the day. You are not making any kind of protests or political statement or a morality statement whatsoever when you're like, I'm not going to have this guy on my fantasy. Team. That's just me. I just want to point that out there again. Everyone plays how they want to play, how you want to have fun with it. That's completely up to you. But if you want to win, don't play with your heart. Play with your head. That That's my piece of advice. Last thing that I want to talk about from the offseason standpoint before we get into the wide receivers for today's show is... Genevieve Bernard being cut by the Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. My thoughts too, because Bernard has been a thorn in Joe Mixon's behind when it comes to fantasy value, especially starting off the season. It it happened the last two years. We saw it with Zach Taylor last two years. We go into it, expecting Joe Mixon to get his bell cow workload. Like, you know, he should be getting. And then what winds up happening is Genevieve Bernard Comes in and inexplicably is getting an insane amount of targets, insane amount of snaps on third downs and two minute drills, and I'm blowing my mind because I'm like, "Uh, pretty sure Joe Mixon can catch the ball. He's probably your best playmaker, probably your best offensive playmaker. Period. Don't know why this guy keeps going off the field. And then you know, last year Mixon gets hurt, but even we even saw it to some degree last year before he got hurt, and the year before. Where he's like fantasy irrelevant and all of a sudden like, hey, you know what? We will give you the ball 20 plus times. And then he goes off like a jackhammer and is the RB1 that he should be. And the Bengals offense is better because they're giving him the ball. So now that Javon Bernard is finally out of the equation, and I've been big on Joe Mixon anyway. A lot of people are sour on him because of the injury situation. I'm... I'm going to be stealing him and what his ADP is going to be this year. I'm going to tell you that because in redraft leagues, I'm looking at a guy who might be falling to the third round because of the way people are souring on him at the moment. And in dynasty leagues, guys only want to touch him. You can buy Joe Mixon low right now. I'm all over him, especially with G. M. Bernard gone because now in my mind, that guarantees me, because I'm not going to bring anybody of significance in, that guarantees me that early on in the season, Mixon's going to be getting his 20-plus touches right off the bat. That's all he needs to be very, very successful. Where are you at on this?
0: First of all, I'm wondering, is Oakland going to sign Giovanni Bernard too? <laughs> and I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Vegas, not Oakland. Sorry, guys. Um, but I do have to say it's it's new, music to my ears. I'm a big Joe Mixon fan. I think he's one of the more talented backs in the backfield in, in, in running back position. I don't understand why he wasn't throwing the ball, why Giovanni Bernard played third downs, and was a designated pass catcher. Um, I thought they should have moved on from him two years ago. They resigned them. him. It made me sick to my stomach when that happened. Last year, you saw when Joe Mixon was utilized, to your point, he is a superstar running back. And he did start getting more targets as the, as the season kind of moved on. Um, he did want him getting hurt. People were concerned about the injuries. I'm not. Running backs get hurt sometimes, particularly behind crappy offensive lines. Well, Cincinnati has a chance to actually improve their offensive line this offseason. And you look at Joe Mixon and you look at Todd Gurley, and you kind of remember Todd Gurley had struggled a year or two, And all of a sudden, he blew up in Sean McVay's system. Part of that blow up was he got thrown the ball.
3: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place
0: you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: More than once, actually.
3: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really?
0: Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18
2: plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution with call, meet, and message all in one app. Ring central makes communication easy with all that connectivity in the palm of your hand. You can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com ring central, simpler communications.
0: I see Joe Mixon having a very similar blow up situation. Not only can this guy run the ball, he can catch the ball. And an offense that should be better than it's been in the last couple of years, that team's going to score some points. Um, I think Joe Mixon is going to be one of the steals of the draft, and I would love if he falls to the third round. If he falls to the third round in any of your, you know, anybody's picks out or anybody's drafts out there, you have to jump all over him. Um, He's going to be an RB1 this year. I I, I have no question in my mind, um, and I know that's a person, a player that I'll definitely be targeting.
2: Yeah, one I'm um, we're we're one hundred percent in line when it comes to Joe Mixon and what this Bernard cut actually means, and that is more fantasy impactful than I think people really realize. Before we get into our NFL draft wide receivers, I want to let you guys know that this segment is sponsored by Manscaped. And with the first pick in the 2021 draft, men's grooming the the Ball Saxonville Sagwires select manscape the leaders and below the waist grooming looks like mel kiper gave this an a plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for that bush defense for all of my nfl draft fans out there we have an exclusive 20 percent off promo code belly up fantasy at manscape.com that's the reason why manscape is the guaranteed number one pick because of their performance package This package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Inside the performance package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your ball support. So support this show. Get 20% off. Get free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. All right. So let's talk about these wide receivers. And we're going to talk about the tight ends, too, in the next segment as well. Let's kick it off with our number one guy, without a doubt, no question about it, never was, Mr. Jamar Chase, 6'1", 200 pounds, the guy ran a crazy 4'3 at his pro day, going to LSU, absolutely insane, best route runner, best explosive player, can play inside, can play outside, I'm a huge fan of Jamar Chase, where are you at, Chris, on Jamar Chase?
0: I think Jamar Chase is an absolute stud. Um, I heard a lot of different debate over who the top receiver is. We heard a lot of talk about Miami targeting uh, Smith at three. I could not believe there's any chance that anybody would pass on this guy as a top receiver for their team if you're looking for a playmaker. To your point, he runs outstanding routes. He's explosive. The thing I like about Chase the most is that there's nobody that can slow him down. This guy just basically um, was averaging about three yards of separation per play. As you see in the kind of highlight in the background right now, this guy's this explosive. There's nobody out there that can stick him. And on top of it, he can run patterns. He can get in and out of his breaks. Well, Um, and I think people kind of forgot because he he got banged up a little bit last year and missed some time that this guy's going to be, I'm sorry. He he sat out last year, I believe Um, he's going to be a superstar. And, I think this guy is by far my best receiver in this draft, and if I have an opportunity to draft him in some kind of long-term league, I'm looking to do so.
2: He ran a four three eight forty, had a forty-one inch vertical. He measured in at actually six three two zero one, so a little taller, taller than, than what we thought. Mm-hmm. Ten pounds lighter, which I actually kind of like for the type of receiver that he is to be two maybe two hundred instead of two ten. Had an eleven foot broad jump, a three point nine nine shuttle, and a six point nine six. Cone drill. I love everything about him. He is a dominant wide receiver. He is a true number one. He is a guy who looks every bit of a superstar receiver that you would want to see. And he belongs in the top 10. Now, where does he go in the draft? And that's kind of the next thing we want to kind of get into and what that fit may be. A lot of people want to say Cincinnati. I've talked to you about this I'm of the mindset, especially now that we know quarterbacks are gonna go one, two, three, possibly one, two, three, four, depending on what happens with the Atlanta pick. I don't see how if you're Cincinnati, you can pass on a sewell with what with how bad that offensive line is, the fact that your franchise quarterback's already coming off an ACL injury, you have your number one priority has to be to protect your investment, your number one pick from last year. So I don't see how. You slide on a penny soul. So, this all this talk about re- reuniting Chase with Joe Burrow, that in my opinion would be a mistake. And honestly, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't really want to see it either because she's going to have to share targets with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd on top of all of it. So, I'd rather see him go somewhere else. I'd rather see him fall to Miami or. Uh, Detroit, I was drawing a blank there, or Detroit. I like Miami a lot because I think he would fit very, very well with a Devontae Parker and a Will Fuller, and then you even have Preston Williams to see if he can get healthy and get right. That's a ton of weapons for Tua Tagovailoa. So I love it for Miami. I really love it for Detroit, more so from a fantasy perspective, because in Detroit, you want to talk about an opportunity to become a target monster, there's nobody else to throw the ball to besides Mm -hmm. TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift's checkdowns. So if you're going to run a predominantly play-action-based offense with Jared Goff and Anthony Lynn, who already does that anyway, Jamar Chase is going to be the guy who can really help you actually have that explosive factor, get you that number one wide receiver. Where, Where are your places that you would like to see him go, and where do you think, logically, he'll actually wind up to?
0: I think the Dolphins are the perfect fit. You kind of pointed out the weapons they have in place. I think he's a perfect complement to Devontae Parker. Um, I think that he needs somebody kind con- and Will Fuller. Um, they only signed Will Fuller to a one-year deal, so I think this is a player that you can look at not only maybe as a possible replacement for Fuller on the outside, but while Fuller still there, as you pointed out, he can play anywhere on the field. Um, I love him. The idea of him in Miami, Detroit, I think is a good idea because he would be he would absolutely be a target monster. If I wanted to go all in and just wanted to see Explosive offense. I wouldn't mind seeing him in Atlanta um, because they do have. There is some consideration about moving on Julio Jones after this year, yeah. um, and he would be an awesome complement while Julio's is still there. But then with Ridley, I think moving forward he'd be a great complement as well. Um, so I think those three places are where I, I think would be good fits. I do have concerns um, that Cincinnati may take him now. While I don't necessarily poo-poo it, maybe as much as you would. I do agree Sue will by far should be their pick. But I am hearing a lot that teams are questioning whether he's even the top tackle in the draft right now. Um which is beyond S9. beyond ridiculous. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's nine. Um and I think when you look at somebody like him, it does make some sense. You do have the the, the camaraderie or the or the experience playing with Joe Burrow. I do hear Joe Burrow is beating the drone that he wants to Jamar Chase. That doesn't sound um, and you can't well you also can't blame him. I mean we saw what Jefferson did last year, and he was dominant for Minnesota. And this guy wasn't even the best receiver on his team. So I think that's something that we have to kind of keep in mind. Um, this guy is, is I think, is is a hell of a talent, and I think that it wouldn't super upset me if Cincinnati just because I do think he complements Higgins perfectly. Um, but I do agree that I, I think they should take Sewell. Now I will give the draft; that it is a pretty deep draft at, at offensive line this year. Cincinnati has the opportunity to kind of upgrade. Even if they don't take Sewell at tackle at the third pick, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do see maybe he goes there.
2: I want to make it clear, I'm not gonna poo-poo it as you would say if for the <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals or for Jamar Chase. I just I want to see the guy get the most fantasy potential, which I, I believe would be with the Dolphins because I think they'll move on from Will Fuller next year, or with Detroit where he would just be the clear-cut guy right off the bat and be targeted. He would he would have redraft implications right off the bat with Detroit, with the amount of targets that he would be seeing, where since then he's gonna have to share a little bit. I understand the Dolphins the first year is going to share a little bit, but he's got an opening there. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And maybe they just turn into this great, you know, prolific offense that it doesn't matter. Everybody gets to eat. But again, with, even with that, even when you see that usually typically speaking, when you have three really good wide receivers, then your fantasy value, even though it couldn't be really good, can still be very inconsistent. So that's just kind of where, but also, you know, more to the point of, I just think they have to pick Sewell there. I just, I think you have to get the building blocks that you really need to protect your quarterback and, and to help out Joe Mixon too, help out that offense in general, you need, you gotta get that offensive line better. I think that's more of a priority than a Jamar chase would be. Let's talk about our next guy who didn't have a pro day, decided not to do anything as pro day. I was very disappointed because I wanted to see how fast he was going to run. But Jalen Waddle coming in, 5'10", 182, Alabama. He's expected to go somewhere between you know that 5th pick and, and 15th pick. Somewhere in the top 15, We most likely will see uh, Jalen Waddle go. He is going to be my number two on the board. I don't want to give too much away because we are going to talk about our top five prospects at each position this upcoming Tuesday on the Belly Up Fantasy Live Football Edition show at 830 at Belly Up Fantasy on your social media accounts and Belly Up Sports on YouTube. So I don't give too much away, but he is going to be my number two guy. And I want to point that out on this show because Devonta Smith is everyone's number two guy, or at least the consensus number two guy for the most part. Jalen Waddell is a more special, more dynamic type of wide receiver. And when he was on the field, he was the lead guy over Devonta Smith. You can even look earlier in the season before he got hurt with his ankle injury. He was outperforming Devonta Smith up until that point. He is the guy. There's something special about his game. He is elite fast, an elite home run threat, but he also runs pretty good routes. He's got really good hips. He can sink in and out of his breaks, which again, you have another guy that even though he's 5'10", 182, he has very active hands. He can play inside and outside, and that's why I wound up putting him as my number two receiver overall. Chris, what do you think about Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith? We'll, we'll just lump Devontae Smith into this conversation as well. What do you think about those two? Where they stack up and, and all that?
0: Um, so I, I Devontae Smith is probably actually my fourth wide receiver in this draft, and I think we're gonna get to who I think is higher. Waddle, I think is kind of tied for the other guy right now. Um, I love Waddle, depending on what you're looking for. Not that he's not explosive, not that he can fit any team, but one of the things is that he's a really good player with is yards after the catch. Um, this guy is a, has the ability to take it 90 yards from having a, you know, taking a one-yard catch and breaking it 90 yards. There's not a lot of guys that can do that. I think it's different between him and Smith. Smith is a good long strider. He runs good routes. He's a great um, – he's going to get out of his breaks. He's a little bit taller. But I think when you look at the explosiveness and in today's game where teams are using utilizing the passing game, the short passing game more and more, um, I think this is a guy that you ha- you just have to look at if, as a, a dynamic playmaker. We kind of see a lot of guys like um, Brand Ayuk from the 49ers last year, where if you can just get certain guys the ball, how they can create, this guy can do that and run patterns and take the top off. So I do think that he's definitely better than Smith. Um, I also think he's a little bit thicker than Smith. They weigh about the same about three inches different. In yeah, he's
2: he's built differently.
0: Yeah, and you can see it in, in the in the highlights. Just yards right, right after the catches where Wallace excels. Guys can't bring him down. Um he's not an easy one arm tackle. And I like I said, this is a guy that you can feature all over the field that even at a backfield. Um, I think this is a guy that teams will be drooling over themselves because there's so many opportunities and different ways you could actually utilize him. He's not quick as quite as quick, fast or quick as Tyree Kill, but as Tyreek is kind of used, I think he can be similarly used.
2: I I agree with that full heartedly. Look, my I Devonta Smith will also be my number four receiver since you said yours. I'll 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 say mine, but. And the, re- the big reason why I have Waddle ahead of Devonta Smith in general is because he's just a more complete receiver with a more elite speed skill set as well. Devonta Smith, I think he's a very good wide receiver. I think he's definitely a top 20 first round type of talent wide receiver. But my problem with him, and ultimately why I have him at number four overall, that, and part of it that this is... It's a top-heavy wide receiver class, but the top is actually pretty good across the board. So it's part partly that, but also partly because this is a guy that I think you have to game plan and line him up in situations where he's going to have space. He doesn't have the best combat hands in the world to be able to get off the line of scrimmage when bigger corners who are capable to play actual bump and run defense are able to jam at the line. You saw that in college there when he actually was able to play against a physical corner who can bump him at the line. He had a hard time getting off the line of scrimmage. That goes to his size, his incredibly lean build. So I struggle with the idea that Devontae Smith's ever going to be that effective on the outside unless he figures out something with his hands and gets more fight in his hands. The other thing is that because of his size, I don't see him going across the middle very often in NFL's uh, schemes today either. Kind of like, I, like with Marquise Brown, they avoid Marquise Brown going across the middle. I could see a similar situation with Devontae Smith where the team will avoid having him go across the middle. So to me, that screams you're going to have to strictly be a slot receiver who operates in and out of the middle instead of going from, you know, the perimeter across and and doing all these ins and outs. And that's where I kind of have some questions. I think he's a very fluid route runner. Everything he does is very, very smooth. He's a great athlete, everything like that. And I think if you feature him and move him around, he can be a centerpiece in your offense. That's why ultimately he's still a first-round receiver in my book. And that's ultimately what we saw happen with Alabama, why he was so... uh, you know, proficient with Alabama last year. What the, you know, the best, I don't mean, I might've been the best college wide receiver year ever. So if you use him that way, then yes, he's going to be a great wide receiver, but this is why I have him number four. I need, mean, I don't have him as a, this complete weapon. And he would be an outlier in the sense of his size. If he were to actually be proficient, the, the comparison that I keep hearing that, you know, I think people who really love Devonta Smith want to latch to is the idea that he might have a chance is Marvin Harrison. And again, I go back to Marvin Harrison was already more naturally, you know, physical in the way he played coming into the league, but also he had some of the best hands, the best combat hand. I don't mean hands catching the football. I mean the best fighting hands to break the arms of the corners trying to jam him at the line and get off the line of scrimmage. If Devonta Smith can develop that, then maybe he could be Marvin Harrison. I don't rule that out, but I don't see that yet on tape, and that's why he's going to be number four on my list. That's why I have Waddle ahead. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, where I want to see these guys go, I think Waddle on the Philadelphia Eagles, one, I think that's a realistic spot for him to go to, but two, I think that would be very interesting because he would step into a situation right away where he would have to be the number one targeted wide receiver. He's instantly better, miles better, than Jalen Rager. I'm not a Jalen Rager fan. He's a one-trick pony, and that one trick ain't even a lead to begin with. The other receivers are... Travis Fulgham, yeah, that fell apart real quick last year. Surprise, surprise. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, is that even a thing anymore? I don't think it is. Greg Ward, who cares? You know, he's just a, a guy holding down the slot receiver position. The only other real target monsters that are on the Philadelphia Eagles will be Dallas Goddard, just assuming that Zach Ertz isn't going to be there. Assuming they'll be able to find a way to get rid of him. And then checking it down the Miles Sanders. So if Jalen Waddle goes there with Jalen Hurts, and they have this RPO play action type of offense where Waddle's getting moved all over the field and gets to be the home run threat. This is a guy who's going to be probably not, you know, probably not not going to be a target monster in sense where I think he's going to get eight to ten targets, but consistently five to seven and be able to win you the week because he can hit a home run at any moment. Uh, for Smith, I would go a little bit... I think he is going to fall a little bit lower. We see more and more mock drafts now where Smith is falling to like the 15-ish type of range uh, somewhere along those lines. I do think the Chargers would be a nice fit for Devonta Smith, be able to kind of play on the play inside-outside with Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams can kind of be the big man, goes down the field. They wanna, they're going to be moving to a more of a three-receiver set type of offense uh, with Joe Lombardi anyway. So I do think he would be a nice fit with the Chargers. I also like him quite a bit if he were to fall uh, to the Arizona Cardinals because I think you you need an upgrade over Christian Kirk. You need a guy who can actually kind of play that inside role. And they have A.J. Green, but I th- I'm, honestly, I think A.J. Green is going to be nothing more than really you know in their minds a red zone threat. But if you have him paired up, Devonta Smith that is, with a DeAndre Hopkins, and he's able to play the inside quite a bit off of that, and you're able to put him in situations where he's going to be able to line up off the line of scrimmage, I like that fit quite a bit, too, there. Uh, so what are your thoughts with where you want, where we want to see Waddle and where you want to see Devonta Smith wind up going and where you think they might actually go?
0: So I think that when it comes to Waddle, I think the prime fit for me in my mind would be Detroit, honestly. Uh, you talked about the lack of playmakers that they kind of have. I see him kind of filling multiple roles in Anthony Lynn's offense. Um, he can be the Keenan Allen, where he can be that kind of slot, a short catch guy, but he can, and break more plays. But he can also stretch the field. I think when you look to Detroit, what they have kind of in place, they need somebody that can kind of create for golf. Golf isn't great at necessarily pushing the ball down the field consistently, um, but he does like guys who can get separation. I talked about how um, how good Chase was with separation. Waddle was right there too. He's averaged over three yards per for separation per play on as well last year. Um, that separation makes throws easy for golf. And I think when you look at that offense, he could easily be featured. He can catch the screens. He can c- get reverses. Um, I kind of see him being the jack of all trades on the offense. And that's something they kind of would be able to utilize and kind of need. I could also see the Eagle fit. I don't mind that fit. Um, I'm a little concerned they have too many guys that are a little bit too similar. Um, not Yeah, but Waddle's
2: actually good. That's the difference.
0: Well, yeah, I know you hate John <laughs> I know that. Um, I'm not quite the hater or rigor that you are, but I do think one of the things that Jalen Hurts could use more so is a guy can go up and get the ball. I don't know if that's necessarily what you're looking for, Waddle. I think the Eagles have a lot of little holes that they could actually address in that pick. Um, So I'm not as as keen on that, but I do think that he would be a good fit in the sense that when you look at the – like I said, I talked about Brandon Ayuk. um, You saw how he was kind of developed and used in the 49ers last year, Lou Samuel. Waddle could do all those things too. So with the new coaching regime that's going in, um, I think you're going to see him have an opportunity to try to move him around, be utilized a little bit differently. I just, I think for me, the best place for him would be Detroit. Um, as for Devontae Smith, I think that his best fit would be somewhere that, I think the Chargers is probably the best. Um, we're going to get more in our draft show back where I think the best fits for all these players are going to be. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Chargers make a lot of sense. They need somebody that can kind of, stretch the field. Um, They have certain playmakers in place. They have Mike Williams already on the outside. They already have Keenan Allen. I think Smith is kind of that icing on the cake for Justin Herbert if you want him to develop to the next level. Um, I also don't mind the idea of him going to – this might be surprising to some people um, – not Detroit, Denver. Uh, I'm not a big um, Hamler fan from Penn State. I don't think that he's necessarily a star player in any kind of capacity. Um, and I think if you pair him up with Judy and pair him up with Court and Sutton moving forward, no matter what you have a quarterback, you should be okay. Um, although, Teddy Bridgewater, I'd be, be calling Denver.
2: Yeah, that'd be an interesting I, landing spot. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I don't disagree with that. I kind of like that take a little bit, but the only thing is I don't think it's, um, I, I don't think it's a reality or a realistic as, as far as that's going to go, because I just don't see Denver with all the capital they've spent at wide receiver the past few drafts. I just don't see them going that direction uh, with it so that that would be my only caveat but if it did happen I'm with you I mean even if you like KJ Hamler uh, I don't think anybody would sit here and say Devonta Smith is an infinitely more talented and would fit you know Jerry Judy and a Cortland Sutton really really well in a three off, in a three wide receiver predominant offense would there with Pat Shermer so yeah I mean that would be a nice fit but that again that being more of a nice fit from a football standpoint from a fantasy standpoint I don't know how many targets he gets in that situation especially if it's Drew Locke a quarterback.
0: Well, I don't think my target seat gets as in the Chargers either. If that's, That's, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Um, But I do think if you're talking about fantasy wise, where he'd be an ideal fit. you got a team sitting at 15 that could move up New England. I think that he'd be a nice – they, they need something on the outside. They need some kind of – somebody to stretch that field. In New that. England they is camp. such
2: an interesting situation right now, aren't they? Because you have all these people talking about that they're serious about mortgaging everything to move up as high as four, possibly to try to take a quarterback. New England's sitting there at 15. There's a million ways you could see him go, and I, I can't envision Bill Belichick selling a farm for a quarterback and moving up that high? Cause he just, he's never done it really, especially when it comes to the first round, but they're really an interesting spot. I agree with you. I mean, they any wide receiver, if they were to say a 15 and any wide receiver that fell to them. There would be dynasty gold because, <laughs> because of the targets that you would be looking at. And I want to go back to that too, because Devontae Smith on the chargers, I, I like him there dynasty fantasy purposes wise because with key and Allen's getting a little bit older. I think they're going to move on from Mike Williams next year. So I don't, I think it's a year away before he become, you know, at least the wide receiver two on the team. Uh, if not the wide receiver one, just to kind of go back on that. But yeah, continue with your point with the Patriots. I just had to butt in there because they're just, that's such an interesting spot with what they're going to do in the draft.
0: Absolutely. But like you said that we were talking about fantasy wise, I do think that would be a nice fit for him yeah. because he can line up different places on the field for them and they could utilize in different ways.
2: He could be a more athletic Julian Edelman, quite frankly, for them. I want to take a quick break before we move on to our next slot of wide receivers. We'll come back on the other side. we have more receiver talk. We'll get to a few tight ends. And we still have the mailbag segment at the end of the show. So please continue to listen to the MD's fantasy football show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. WWSRN presents you by Belly Up Sports.
1: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
2: Uh, Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by... Belly Up Sports. Make sure you go ahead and check them out on your Android and iOS apps for the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Some great content coming out there and bellyupfantasysports.com because we got articles flying out left and right right now as we get up prepared for the draft for your dynasty leagues, especially, but what we are value expecting heading into 2021. We've been talking about some of our top wide receivers. We talked about the Sam Darnold trade. We talked about Gene Bernard getting cut and what that means for Joe Mixon. We gave you guys a Deshaun Watson update all there in the first segment. The next day, we're going to continue on with our wide receivers talk. We have some tight ends we want to talk about, and we have the mailbag segment for you at the very end. And I want to let you guys know that this next segment is going to be brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. It is a daily fantasy sports gaming website with a number of unique ways to win money on your favorite sports and players. It's a mix of daily fantasy and prop games just download the app go to monkeyknifefight.com and use the promo code belly up for a dollar to dollar match on your deposit of up to fifty dollars plus an additional five dollars that's potentially an instant fifty five free dollars for you to play with today by using the promo code belly up when you sign up at monkeyknifefight.com or you can download the app on ios or your android play store So, Chris, let's talk about our next top wide receiver, which is Rashad Bateman. And I actually, I mean, I had a debate whether or not he was my number two, frankly, because this guy is one of the most complete receivers that you are going to see in this draft class. And I'm going to let you go first because there's a couple of things that I want to talk about when it comes to him and his pro day and what we've seen. But I'm going to let you talk about Rashad Bateman first. Go ahead.
0: As you know, I absolutely love Rashad Bateman. Um, I... I'm debating, he's my number two, him and Waddle are neck and neck. Um, After the 40 that you're going to talk about, I I have to feel like he might be ahead of Waddle now. This guy is a true number one receiver. He can run all the routes, he's tall, he can run inside or outside, and he's explosive, as he showed. I think this guy has all the makings to be a star. He reminds me a lot of DeAndre Hopkins, but a little bit faster after the 40 we saw and this guy is, to me, is one of the studs in this draft. Um, where I see him as a fit, we talked a lot about Detroit. I think Detroit obviously needs some kind of playmakers. Um, where I really like to see him wind up going is the Panthers. Um, I don't think the Panthers have a true number one right now. You stole and Joe Brady. Pick. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I feel like Joe Brady has shown he, he has the ability to utilize multiple weapons. That was what he was, did so well in LSU. And when you look at Robbie Anderson, you look at D.J. Moore, to me they're two complementary players. They're not true number ones. I think Bateman slides in there perfectly. Um, it sucks Sam Donalds as quarterback. But other than that, I think everything else kind of aligns for him as a perfect fit there. And I just absolutely love this guy. I think that people were really trying to question whether he could still play, how good he was, because he didn't play much last year. Um, a lot of these guys who sat out last year, there's an assumption that they just aren't good anymore. Let's be real. These guys are preparing to play – pro football for the past year. It wasn't like they were sitting on their butts playing PlayStation the entire time. Um, And I think that he pretty much showed that with that 40, he ran this guy's coming to ball and when he's out there, he has shown nothing, nothing but being a stud. He played at Minnesota. Minnesota's quarterback play is horrible. So having a ball thrown from Sam Darnold probably would actually not be that bad for him.
2: I, I completely agree with you. So this is where I want to get into Rashad Bateman. And like, again, just as big a fan as you are, Thought about maybe putting him as my number two. I think I'm gonna wind up having him as my number three, just because I think Waddle's explosiveness might just give him a the whole other gift.
0: Like,
2: yeah. yeah, and but Bateman is a true number one receiver. Bateman is a guy that you can build your new wide receiver core around, and I don't want to get that lost in translation anywhere. He might he he wound up measuring in at six foot three, 190 pounds, and I want to talk about the weight because I saw all this cr- and it's crap. It's absolute crap. About because he was not 210, because he was 190, that, oh, is he a little too lean? Are you kidding me? Now, this is where, and this is where I pride us in this show. Because there are times where measurables mean more in certain guys, in certain situations, and other guys, it doesn't mean anything. And what I mean by that is that when you watch the tape, we talked about this with the running backs, not every 190 is made the same. Not every 190 has made the same. You watch the tape on Rashad Bateman, who came out later on and said, hey, I never played at plus 200 pounds. They had me listed at 210. I never played at plus 200 pounds. So we can assume that he's been playing at about 190, 195, probably most of his collegiate career to begin with. The guy is a physical monster on the perimeter. That's how he plays. He gives it back to the corner. He makes a lot of great in-traffic catches goes up and gets the ball. He out-physicals the other guy. And he's built well. He's built stocky. He's built solid. So I don't care that he weighs at 190 because of the way he's built. This is where you can't just look at numbers and ignore what's actually being played right in front of your face. And that is why, again, we go back to, we are here to make you guys better fantasy football players, better football minds in general, part of it is taking in all of the variables. Measurables and stats are tools. Sometimes, tools are irrelevant for certain jobs. You're not going to use a flathead screwdriver when you need a Phillips. It's the same idea when it comes to certain measurables for certain guys, because how they're built is more important than what they actually weigh, and how they play is more important than all of that as well. Rashad Bateman is a six foot three physical monster on the outside. Now, the the other reason besides Waddle being a little bit more explosive is that Bateman doesn't get a lot of natural separation the way Waddle does. But he's a guy who's gonna be he's gonna beat you on the outside. He's gonna make that contested catch. You're gonna throw it up to him, and you're gonna feel safe in doing so. He doesn't get a lot of natural separation. But the big question on him, and this is why I couldn't understand why there was any negativity around him in his pro day. The big question on him was how fast was he really? Because the knock on people had on him when watching his tape was that they argued that he didn't have elite speed. Well, guess what? The guy ran a four three nine. Even if you want to pro day adjust that and make it a four 4-4, four, a four four four. Guess what? That's still top end speed for a guy who's going to beat you up and be a target monster potentially on any team and be your wide receiver one. That's a DeAndre Hopkins type of level right there.
0: That's the same 40 Javar Chase ran.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So he's fast enough. Guess what? And that was supposed to be his only knock coming into this thing until they want to bring up the weight, which is a non-issue. It's a non-issue.
0: And I just want to clarify when you talk about separation. Um, Dan's talking more about you know deep ball threats. Rashad Bateman is going to get separation because he's a great route runner. So that's one of the things that... Yes is important to kind of keep in mind. It's not just about your 40 sometimes, but he's talking more about the explosive down the field plays. He's more apt to go up and go to the ball and be tested, you know, 30, 40 yards down the field versus blown by guys. But when it comes to getting open in, in intermediate routes for the short routes, he's got a, full route a tree. fantastic. Exactly.
2: He, he, he might be besides Jamar chase. He might be the only other receiver that has a true full route tree. Cause even a lot of what Waddle does is a lot of screens and stuff like that. He has a full route tree. Like So, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you did clarify that because, yes, that's not what I mean by getting se- this separation necessarily. He has a full route. Shoot. There's nothing he can't run and do and get open on, which is why we compare him quite a bit to DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm totally on board with that. As far as where I want to see, I mean, there's a number of teams where you see the Panthers were going to be my pick, as I said, because of the way... Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and those three could kind of play off of each other in a Joe Brady offense. That would be a a perfect fit. But again, from a football standpoint, because fantasy standpoint, I got to deal with Sam Darnold and I got to deal with the fact that you're going to spread all these targets around and Joe Brady spreads targets around even when he has bad receivers. So you think about when you have good receivers Um, as far as, you know, the, the Eagles are another team where if you want to rebuild your wide receiver core. That's a good guy to do it. It's a lot of teams that we talked about already, the Chargers too. But I do want one different team because I, I don't think he's necessarily going to go in the top 20. I'll, I'll let you go in a second, Chris. I, I don't think he's necessarily going to go in the top 20. The place where I think would be really, really interesting, especially for the future, because one of their wide receivers is only going to be there for another year. So it wouldn't be a 2021 great for fantasy-wise, but dynasty-wise it, dynasty it would be. That's the Indianapolis Colts at 21. I think there's a real shot he's there at 21. He could be the T.Y. Hilton replacement. He would mix in right there with Michael Pittman and Parrish Campbell, but I think he would automatically be the number one receiver in a Frank Reich, Carson Wentz resurgence type of offense. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: I actually think he'll be go before Smith. We're talking about... I think Smith is a top 20. I think that's where he's going to wind up going. Um, I think Bateman, the other great fit, you kind of touched on was the Eagles. They need a true number one. And after draft, I I will agree with you, Jail Rieger is not a number one receiver. And they don't have currently on their roster a number one receiver when you look at that team. Um, I think he'd be a fantastic fit for them. And that's where fantasy-wise, I think he'd be the most uh, productive and most relevant. Um, I think Smith actually, we're talking about some uh, fits for him before. But I think I looked at kind of the team coming after him. I think he actually would be a nice fit um, for, for the Colts. I think the Titans. I think Devontae Smith makes a lot of sense for the Titans. Um, I think that's where he'd be ideal. But I do think, like I said, I'm a little bit different in opinion where Bateman falls. You think falls kind of out of the top 20 or into the top 20. I think actually Bateman goes before Smith after that 40. Here's
2: what I'm going to say to that: is there are a wide range of outcomes when it comes to a lot of these mock drafts because teams and and, and analysts yeah, are just all over all the, over the place, and a lot of that has to do with just not having as much contact this year as you would normally. So there's just there's a wide range, there's a there's a range out there where Bateman falls outside the top twenty. There's a range out there where you're where you're speaking to where you could go ahead of Devonta Smith. Um, I just think because of the hype around Devonta Smith, I think he will go ahead of Bateman in the draft. That that That's the only reason why I would think that would be the case. I mean, I would take Bateman ahead of Devonta Smith, but that's the only reason why I say that. And, and if that happens and you have a Jamar Chase and a Waddle and Devonta Smith real off the board, I think there's a decent chance Bateman does fall just outside the top 20. Not outside the first round, but outside the top 20. That's the only reason why I think there's a chance he might be there for the Colts there. The Titans are a great fit for any of these receivers that happen to fall that far. I don't know who it's going to be. There's a real chance it's one of these top four. He, they, they would, whoever it is, it doesn't matter who it is. It won't be Jamar Chase. We know that much, and it probably won't be Waddle. But if it's a Smith or a Bateman, whoever pairs up next to AJ Brown is not only going to be fantasy relevant from a dynasty standpoint, but it's going to be fantasy relevant for 2021 because there's going to be other there's there's a target there's a target hole there right now. Josh Reynolds is a nobody. Don't tell me Josh Reynolds is going to be somebody, give be something in tennis. He's not. He's a nobody. He's a guy. That's it. He's not going to He's not gonna command targets. They get one of these guys, especially if it's a Bateman, you go in and out with, with A.J. Brown, how physical that receiver core would be. But even if it's a Devonta Smith who they can kind of line up in the. you can let Josh Reynolds do his little vertical thing on the perimeter and let Devonta Smith operate in the slot, have him and A.J. Brown go back and forth. Whoever gets drafted by Tennessee Titans, I do think they'll take a wide receiver. If it's not in the first round, at least in the second round, but I do think they'll take a wide receiver. It's going to be very, very interesting. So I, that is a good team to kind of bring up in that situation next guy I want to talk about I love this guy I wish he wasn't so short but I really love this guy Rondell Moore I mean from a from a athletic standpoint he is Tyreek Hill from an athletic standpoint all of his measurables match up the 429 40 the the 425 vertical the 665 cone drill the problem is, as small as Tyreek Hill is, Rondell Moore's even shorter at 5'7". So as a result, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where he can be a true perimeter wide receiver. And because of that, if you're going to get pigeonholed in the slot, that's where I don't know if he goes in the first round. I don't think he falls any later in the second round. I'll say that much, but... That's why I'm not sure he definitely goes in the first round. Cause if you're a receiver who, who can't go inside, outside, I don't know if you definitely get drafted in the first round or not. So when they talk about guys like Terrace Marshall getting drafted ahead of them, that wouldn't surprise me, even if I think that, even though I think that would be a mistake. But Rondell Moore is the guy you want to talk about a guy who gets natural separation, like it's nobody's business, who's, who's not only fast, but incredibly quick, can do anything, can help your special teams out, makes big plays. I mean, he will be. If you if you're a team who wanted to build your wide receiving core, your offense around a slot receiver, you could do it with him because he's just so athletically gifted. The problem is there's no one to compare him to at that height who had a, you know, a great career. Let's say. What, what's your thoughts on Rondale Moore? And I'll, I'll talk after you go. I'll talk about where I want him to go.
0: Um, I do wonder if he does go in the first round. But I, having said that, I do think he's a first round talent. Um five foot seven is hard to kind of overcome, but this player can this guy can ball. I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot of guys that are as explosive as as have so much that they bring not only the return game but on the passing game and just have the ability to constantly just break it. Um now the knock on him is his injury kind of he had got got banged up a lot in college, so he hadn't had a whole lot of consistency when it comes to you know being year in, year out, playing all the games that are necessary. So that is a little bit of concern. But when I look at some of the teams, especially when you start getting into the you know 1920 area, you got teams like Washington, you've got teams like Chicago. Um, I think he fits their schemes very well. They like to get the board of the ball quickly. They want to have somebody who can kind of make him make plays with the ball. Um, I think he kind of fits those two teams as realistic as I I kind of think. If he were to go in the first round, I could see him going to teams like Jacksonville, their second first round pick that they have. Um, they don't have a whole lot. Other than right now, DJ Shark, and I think they could use some upgrades, especially explosiveness. We kind of seen Urban Meyer use a like perfect Percy Harvin type of players. I think he kind of fits that mold. Um, and then where I'd love to see him, which would make me super happy, is two teams in particular. If he were to stay in the first round or getting to go in the first round, that would be the Saints and the Packers. Either one of those guys, either one of those teams definitely could use upgrade to receiver positions. And when you look at what they have in place, they have the true number one. Putting more as your number two in that slot for the, either one of those teams adds a completely different dimension for both of them. Sean Payton would love to use him. You can see with Sean Payton just could probably, you know, get a jollies off weekend, week out, having a guy like that. He can move all over, all over. And then Green Bay, just please, please, please give Aaron Rodgers one more explosive player. Please, please. You put him next to Devontae Adams or inside Devontae Adams in the slot. Imagine what they could do.
2: It's hard to argue with any of that. My my bold team was going to be Kansas City because you have a situation where there with no Sammy Watkins. They got to add somebody. I don't think Nicole Harmon's the answer. And I know you're thinking like, well, Tyree Kill. Guess what? You have Travis Kelsey. Tyree Kill can play anywhere on the field. He's already proven that. You have another really fast guy who gets natural separation. You pair him up with a Patrick Mahomes and Nandy an Reid. The, the, the amount of explosiveness just... Astounds me. And the thing about Rondell Moore, unlike a Mecole Hardman or a Demarcus Robbins, he can actually run routes. And that's why I don't think it's going to be Hardman. So if he goes in the first round, I could see that whether or not kansas city will take a and i think it's a possibility kansas city would continue to take more weapons just because it is andy reed and how invested they are in that offense
0: there's a lot of rumors talking about that they are all looking on the receiver in this draft
2: yeah and so i i do think it's because i i know there's a lot of people out there too want to say like well they got to draft you know more offensive linemen or they got to take some defensive help i'm like yeah except for your you got andy reed who comes from that long line, that old-school Green Bay line of thinking where it's get weapons for your quarterback every single year. If only the Packers actually had that mindset now, what would have happened? But because he comes with that old-school mindset of that, I do believe a wide receiver going there is a very real possibility. And I could see Rondale Moore. I don't think it's a redundancy there. With, Tra- with Tyreek Hill because of just what they could do. I mean, imagine all the jet sweeps and all all the creativity that they could do with those two players on the field at the same time. I mean, the the, the matchup nightmare that would take place. So that would be my bowl team for him to go. I do think ultimately, because he wound up being 5'7", he's going to he's gonna wind up going in the second round. We'll see. But this is a guy you definitely, definitely have to pay attention to uh, because he's just such a unique athletic talent. The next guy I want to talk about is Terrace Marshall. And I had to go back and I had to watch his tape a couple of times. Physically, he's a prototypical wide receiver. Physically, he's 6'2", 205. He ran a 4440 Has a 39 vertical. He can make big plays. I don't love his hands. I don't love his route running ability. He doesn't sink his hips in and out of his breaks. So the natural separation is not going to be there when he's actually trying to run a full route tree, which I don't believe he has to begin with. He's not, I don't think he plays to his size. He's 6'2", 205. I don't think he's the guy who plays as physical as he should. And I question the consistency of his hands. There's quite a few times where I saw him drop the ball uh, when it, going through his tape, where it was hit dead in the chest and nobody around him, and he was still just flat out dropping it and just lack of, really lack of concentration more so than anything on his part. Having said all that, There's a lot of talk about him going to first round, which I don't think he's a first-round talent. But if he did, and if he went to the Packers, I do think that would be very, very interesting. Because you would have another explosive, big-body threat on the opposite side, Devontae Adams. For my knocks on Terrace Marshall, I do think he's better than Marcus Valdez-Scantling. I do think he's better than St. Brown. or or Devin Funches I do think he's better than any other receiver not named Devontae Adams on that Green Bay Packers team and his skill set I think reminds me of a poor man's Will Fuller and I think that would fit great with a Devontae Adams if that were to happen from a fantasy standpoint but for my actual football evaluation I don't I, I wouldn't even be thinking about this guy before the second round quite frankly and there's a lot of things that I have red flags on and how good he can really be, and I know that's that's a different opinion than, than most people have, frankly. What's your thoughts?
0: I mean, I echo those sentiments. I'm not a big Marshall fan. I will give him he's he led the country in contested catch percentage last year, 80. percent He can go up and get the ball in amongst people, um, but to your point, there's too many um, plays where he just doesn't make the right play. He doesn't run great patterns. He doesn't catch the ball consistently. For the easier catches, he can make the contested catches, but he doesn't – and he played in the slot almost predominantly at LSU. I do question whether he can get off the line. I was not impressed with him um, for most of the tape that I watched. I feel like he had kind of usually the second or third best corner sticking him. And he rarely dominated any of the games. Um, like I said, he can go up and get the ball. If he was to go in the first round – I think the best fit for him would be Kansas City. You kind of talked about more. I think he kind of complements the rest of their offense a little bit better, and I think that he would have an opportunity with Patrick Mahomes to get some red zone targets, and that's where he's going to be most effective because he catches catch the ball in the red zone. He can catch the ball when it's in c- 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 catches. But there's little else that the guy really brings to the, the field to me. I honestly think this guy's a third- or fourth-round talent. Um, I don't understand the hype. I don't understand. I see people are looking at how tall he is, the build, and kind of going off of that. But I've seen a lot of other guys like Cortland Sutton in the past who got kind of overlooked because of the tall and build the build is similar. And they're way better with feet. They had way better quickness. I'm not impressed with this guy. I think he's kind of a one-trick pony. Um, he kind of reminds me of a red zone-only target. And I think that when he gets drafted, particularly if he's going to play in the slot, I don't think he's going to be particularly that great.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of with you on, on there as, as well. I'm not impressed with Marshall the way a lot of people are. The next thing I want to talk about, I have more of a bone to pick because not only am I not, impressed with him. It doesn't make any sense why people think that he's going to be this great fantasy asset or even football asset. That's Kadarius Tony. How many times have we seen these tweener gadget players, which is what Kadarius Tony is? Yes, he's a phenomenal athlete. All these guys are at this point when you're talking about them in the NFL draft. I'm not taking away his athleticism from him. He ran a 44140 So we can up that to a 4-4-5 if we want to. He's 5'11", 194, which isn't a bad size for a slot receiver. But that's the other thing. You don't even know what position he's going for. Some people have him listed as a running back. Some people have him listed as a wide receiver. Best case scenario, he's a Curtis Samuel. Even even if he turns into Curtis Samuel, who did get drafted high, but Curtis Samuel, who just had his quote-unquote big breakout year, was still the third best receiver on his team. This The talk about him going in the first round astounds me. How many times do we see these guys, who are these gadget tweener players, ever actually go on to have these prolific NFL careers? I mean, my comparison for him, frankly, is Antoine randall L. He used to play a little quarterback back in high school, Kadarius Toney did. I could see him being in that role. Maybe... He turns into a competent slot receiver at some point later on in his career. But that's the other thing about him. I'm not overly impressed with his route running ability, which is why I believe he will be a gadget player. Gadget players don't get used consistently. They're guys, they're, these are these guys that get talked up a ton in the offseason by their coaches. How we're going to use him. He's going to be all over the field. He's a weapon. He's not. A, he's a positionalist player. He's a weapon. Positionalist players only work in the NBA. It doesn't work in the NFL because they don't get on the field. Period. Because you're not, you're not big enough to actually take on the load of a running back. You don't run good enough routes for us to really depend on you as a wide receiver. Whoever takes, if somebody takes him in the first round, he's a bust waiting to happen. And from a fantasy standpoint, I go back to the, the volume. He's never going to have enough volume to really be that valuable, at least as valuable as your people are going to try to push him up the be in Dynasty. And I don't ever see him being a guy you really want to have in redraft leagues. That's my notion of Kadarius Tony. I know it's in the minority out there, but Chris, go ahead and you can talk about him now too.
0: Well, once again, I'm going to echo the sentiment. Um, We saw all this hype with Chenault last year. And going into the draft and going into fantasy drafts, people kept talking about how Chenault's a weapon. He's going to get the ball. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. Five catches for 45 yards isn't that impressive. And I don't think it gets you a lot of playing time, to your point. He's a guy that you have to manufacture touches for. Good coaches will do that. Bad coaches will talk about doing that and not do it at all. I worry about this guy, how productive he can be in the pros. I think he's a guy that's almost a strictly gadget player in a sense, where he's going to be a lot of screens, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of slants, a lot of crossing patterns. I don't think he runs good patterns. I don't think that he can get the, get down the field quick enough to open it up for people. You kind of see in the highlights, most of his plays are after yards after the catch. Now, can he do that? Sure. But this is the NFL, and guys can tackle a little bit better than they can tackle in college. And I think if you look at all the different things that he kind of brings to the table. This guy's a dime a dozen. Talk about Curtis Samuel. Um, like I said, I brought up Chenault. To me, that's that's what you're looking when you look at a Tony. I don't think that you have a guy who's really a true game-changing receiver. I think you have a, a player who you kind of utilize here or there, maybe gets three or four touches you manufacture for per year, and I mean per game. And I don't think that's something that I necessarily would hope shouldn't go in the first round. And if it does, I do think it will be, Hard to justify how productive or unproductive he winds up being.
2: Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page. I, I really am. It's going to be you and me against the world when it comes to Darius Tony, and I'm perfectly. Well, we wrote the with quarterback that. position:
0: with Mitchell Trubisky, and Patrick Mahomes, and Sean Watson. So yeah, you're right uh, about this one again. So, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. We'll keep going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not very impressed. Uh, we had time for one more guy, so I want to go to the top tight end in Kyle Pitts and talk about him before we get into the mailbag segment. Um, Kyle Pitts to me, is not just the best tight end, but he might be the best pass catcher period in this draft. And I don't just mean from a pass catching standpoint, but I mean from the overall weapon that he is, the overall mismatch that he is. When we're going through this process to start, I had a hard time with Kyle Pitts, with the idea of him going in the top 10. And the reason is this, I have a hard time taking tight ends in general that high to begin with, especially ones that aren't already coming in as super complete tight ends who, you know, Kyle Pitts is not a great blocker. Now, here's what I'll say. He's definitely a very willing blocker. He he wants, to, it's not like he's shy. He doesn't shy away from the content like some, like some non inline tight ends who are more athletes or more bigger receivers and not. He doesn't shy away from it like they do. So I do think there's room there that you can, you can see him improving in that area because he is already has a mentality where he's willing to do it. And he has the size to do it too. So that's where i I think he will get better at that in his game. But when you watch his tape, he runs great routes for his size. He has incredible speed for his size. I mean, the guy ran a four-four forty at you know what, 245 pounds at six six. It's it's insane. But I think the route running ability and the ability he has to catch the ball away from his body. He has, actually he has elite hands and he's elite route running ability. It makes me think that he's just going to be a mismatch nightmare. And when you're talking about guys to build your offense around, Kyle Pitts is one of those guys. He just is. And because of the skill set that he has, and if he does get drafted in the top 10, which is looking more and more like it's going to happen, I do think for the first time in a really, really long time, you're going to have a tight end who's actually set up to be a true redraft commodity Along with being a guy who projects out to be the number one tight end dynasty or in, in within the next five years or so, so I'm I have changed my tune a little bit on would I not draft Kyle Pitts at the top ten? I would, I 100% would. And there's a lot of teams that he would fit. Uh, in, you know, of course, in my opinion, I mean, he could pretty much would fit with anybody in any scheme to begin with. But I haven't pinpointed where if the Atlanta Falcons stay at four, now to be clear here, I don't think they should stay at four. I think their best move is to trade back because of you know a lot of the holes that they need. But if they were to stay at four and you take a Kyle Pitts and you make that a two tight end set predominant team with Arthur Smith, which I think he would love to be, by the way, and you have a Julio Jones and a Calvin Ridley, you get let Hayden Hurst be the main blocker to help out the offensive line, and you add Kyle Pitts to that team. Look out look out. Or if he does fall the Miami Dolphins and they trade away Mike Isecki, that's another situation that would be tremendous, not just for him, but hey, any... I'm, I love to attack Levo. I know you do too. Any of the haters out there, you're not going to be able to hate on Tua anymore if Kyle Pitts goes to Miami at six either. So I love, 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 love Kyle Pitts. I'm right in the main line with them. Chris, you can go ahead and give me your thoughts on Kyle Pitts.
0: So I kind of struggle with Kyle Pitts and the value. Um, you talked about not drafting tight ends and kind of how you looked at it before the top 10. I think there's a lot of talk about what he actually is going to play in the NFL. They had talked to different um, GMs, several teams look at him as strictly as a tight end. Some teams are looking play at playing with receiver, his agents is considering playing with receiver so that I can get more money for him. If I compare him, I him as a receiver. I don't see him as a top 10 talent. If I write him as a tight end, I can see what you're excited about. I can see the mismatches. But I could also point out, there, are guys, that he kind of reminds me of the Darren Waller. Darren Waller went in the sixth round. Darren Waller went in the sixth round because yeah, he but has similar skills at Six six six, ran a That, four, would, be four, four, that but would be redone. he was a receiver, today. but he came out as a receiver. That was the big difference. He didn't come uh-huh. out as a tight end. He came out as a receiver, that's and that's where I think it's going to be interesting to see what is this guy truly utilized as. Yes, he's a mismatch versus linebackers. Yes, he's a mismatch for safeties. His mismatch is such a mismatch too. versus corners. That's Absolutely. what I want to see. Do well, you believe that? Um, I don't necessarily have the, the proof that I think if he came out and they talk as the GMs, if he came out as strictly a receiver, where would he go in this draft? And it's not nearly as high as if he's coming out as a tight end. So I, so
2: that, that, that's crap.
0: Well, then look at you got part of the you GMs want. then.
2: Consensus. Look at the GMs. The consensus across the league is that Kyle Pitts – is the best pass catcher in this league. I'm not, you know, that's not just me. Best pass catcher, meaning if he was a wide receiver, he would be rated, if not in front of Jamar Chase, right there with Jamar Chase. Because I just really? talked about of the unnatural ability at his size that he has to run routes. Because he's not just a Darren Waller. Because when Darren Waller came into the league, he wasn't a good route runner. He was just athletic. He was fast. He developed that part of his game. Kyle Pitts is already a finished product. He has a full receiver tree. No, I agree with you. The part I think, if you put him at the tight end position, that that boosts his value a bit. But the consensus is, if you want to know what the consensus is out there, is that he's the best pass catcher. Period. In this NFL draft class, if he
0: came, if he played a wide receiver, you you think he would be considered a top wide receiver? That's that's the consensus. He'd be a top wide receiver in this draft. One thousand percent.
2: One thousand percent.
0: No, no, he's not the top based pass catcher. Based on what? Based on he, who? Based on how people evaluate him. If you have Smith and you have Chase's guys who are going before him, and you have Waddle who's going before him, how is he considered the best receiver? They don't because necessarily he's six foot six. He's a mismatch. And he's two forty. He's good. He doesn't get nearly talk about separation. He doesn't get nearly separation. He's playing against corners. He doesn't get nearly separation. Six, now six, he can go up and 25. get the ball. Yes, he can go up and get the ball. But can he get off the line against guys? Can he yeah. run different patterns on his outside? Yeah. I see him lob almost always in the slot. Was always in the slot.
2: Well, you gotta watch more tape. You got to watch more tape because I watched a lot of tape where he lined up on the perimeter and danced circles around some of these corners. And not just, I'm not talking about corners from middle of nowhere. I'm talking about Florida State. I'm talking about LSU. I'm talking about these top ACC teams across the board. I'm talking about Clemson, he danced circles around. I'm talking about Alabama. He had a great game against Alabama. He went up against the top competition. And he
0: didn't play receiver in that Alabama and going all the game. He and
2: dominated. Games. He played played tight end technically, play the game. he played tight end in all those games. Yes, but they, exactly. line him, they line him up at different positions. I'm, I'm with you on the whole which he should go out as. I think he should go out as a tight end. Because at 245, I think it's just hard to be a wide receiver all the time. But I, I think as a tight end, you just have a guy who can just change the game because he is a mismatch for corners and safeties and linebackers. I don't know what mock drafts you're looking at, but other than Jamar Chase... It's not mock drafts. I, I would say, other than Jamar Chase, I don't see Waddle or Smith or Bateman or any of these guys going ahead of Kyle Pitts in any of these mock drafts. So I don't know where it is you're looking at that has all at these people going in front of key. him
0: at tight end. If he came out as a receiver, when I said right
2: now, because you've already had these people talk about, even if he was a wide receiver, that they would have him right there at either, like I said, either next to Jamar Chase or ahead of Jamar Chase. I mean that that's that's already been out there, that has been out there, but. Uh, Sorry, I would I would like to let you rebuttal, actually, but we got to move on because we're running out of time. Let's hit the break real quick. We get the mailbag statement on the other side. You guys are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. WWSRN presented to you by Belly Up Sports.
1: It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
2: Welcome back in, MD Nation. You are listening to MD's fantasy football show on the World Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with me is Chris Dauhauer. And we just had it out in the last segment at the end there. Should have made more I should have made more time on Kyle Pitts. That's that's uh that's on me. We'll do that next time we'll make sure we have that ahead. But we talked about our NFL draft receivers. We'll talk about Kyle Pitts. We'll talk about some more tight ends on the Belly Up Fantasy live show at 830 at Belly Up Fantasy. Check us out then when we get Adam and Lamarro back on that crew. And then we also talked about earlier in the show our you know, the, the Sam Darnold trade, the Genevieve cut, and the Sean Watson update. So make sure when you go back, you watch all this on the Royal Sports Radio Network at WWSRN or your favorite streaming app. We're available to you on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever you like to go. We're widely available to you. So we are in the mailbag segment. I do first real quickly want to go through the poll results that we had. And empty nation has been, uh, you know, gracious enough to be able to vote on these things It gives us an idea on, on what people are thinking. And one of the things that surprised me, one of the polls that we had was will Matt Stafford finished as a top 10 quarterback. 67% said yes. And that surprised me because I thought Matthew Stafford was going to be a guy who's going to be one of my big sleepers going through the offseason. And now I'm not so sure because if that many people have the mindset, they really believe he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. Well, now all of a sudden his ADP might be at what his actual value is, in which case I probably won't draft him because I'm always looking for value, not at value, quite frankly. Uh, Two of the other questions that we had, uh, which was wide receiver, which Steelers wide receiver would you draft first for the upcoming season? No, no surprise there. Deontay Johnson, 49%. Juju Smith-Schuster, 18%. And Chase Claypool had 32%. So well ahead of Juju. But Deontay, the number one guy there, I agree with that. And then would you rather, who would you rather have on your fantasy squad? Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor or Aaron Jones. 45% went with Jonathan Taylor, 35% Nick Chubb, and 19% Aaron Jones. Who would you rather have, Chris, out of those three running backs?
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. I'd probably go with Aaron Jones.
2: So you want to go with the 19%. That is a tough one. I think because of the target share, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you there.
0: Uh, the Williams, I think that's a big key moving forward this year. And, and not having a receiver until till they actually draft one, or they ever do draft one, we'll
3: see. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So let's have Ben ask us the first question for today in the
3: mailbag. All right, the first question is from Gordon. And it is, what do you think Hayden Hurst's value in 2021 is?
2: Alright, so what do you think Hayden Hurst... Well, this is going to greatly depend on what happens in the draft, because we just talked about the possibility that maybe they draft a Kyle Pitts at four, or maybe they trade back. Let's assume for a second they don't draft a Kyle Pitts, and Hayden Hurst is the top tight end. Um, I think his value is a, is a high-end tight end, too. And I think there's... With with upside there, because with Arthur Smith, he you know he has already the track record of targeting the tight ends in the red zone position. Uh, especially more consistently than Derek Cutter does. So I would have to imagine that at least Hayden Hurst would have an opportunity to re- for somewhere between seven and to nine touchdowns. And if he gets that, then he could be a low end tight end one, regardless of his receptions and yards. W- what do you think?
0: I think it's interesting. Like you talked about, the draft will kind of be a big factor, whether they take pits or not. Um, I, I don't think necessarily that Arthur Smith is going to guarantee to make Hayden Hurst even more productive. You kind of saw him utilize multiple tight ends last year in Tennessee and In the last few years in Tennessee. He likes to have – Janu Smith never had that big breakout year that he's been waiting for because Fergster got on the field. They utilized Pruitt. I think you're going to see this guy kind of have an opportunity to do what he did last year. He'll be – some games will have some you know decent games here or there, kind of like Hooper did, and then kind of fade to the background in other games. It's not something that I'm super excited about going into this draft and uh, going into this year. And I don't think Hayden Hurst necessarily just improves because Arthur Smith is there.
3: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Let's hear what Ben had to Obviously say. Obviously, the Falcons have great targets in Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, both of which could be wide receiver ones. But the problem with fantasy football is the tight end position outside of the top five is horrendous. I think Hayden Hurst is a good guy to have as your maybe your backup tight end. He might have a big game or two when your starter is out, but... Um, Other than that, I don't think he has much value. I guess we ought to see how the Falcons incorporate him this year and what the Falcons' offense this year really looks like.
2: All right. Ben echoing some of the same sentiments there.
3: Let's get our question number two. The next question is from Drew. Dynasty PPR Superflex. Miles Sanders or the first pick in the fourth round? Miles Sanders
2: or the fourth pick in the first round and PPR Superflex. Give me the first pick in the fourth round. I'm, I'm doing this more from the mindset of because of the super flex, you probably need another quarterback. You get the fourth pick, you're probably going to have a good crack at somebody who is in a good situation, whether it maybe it would be a Zach Wilson or, you know, for instance, let's say if hypothetically, <clears throat> excuse me, the 49ers were to take a Justin Fields, I would love that fit for a fantasy standpoint. But Miles Sanders, it's more importantly about Miles Sanders where Yes, he comes to a situation where the the mobile quarterback does help the running back. But this is a guy that I question will ever play a full season. Uh, and and I, I also question if he ever won't be in some sort of platoon. Now, they just signed Jordan Howard. It's not really going to shake your confidence in him too much there, other than maybe Howard comes in and steals some goal line touches from him. But this is a guy I don't know if he ever is going to be truly a a workload back. Give me the fourth pick. Give me a crack. I mean, even if you wind up drafting a Najee Harris, depending upon the situation he has, I think he'd be more valuable. So uh, I actually would, would rather have the fourth pick. What about you, Chris?
0: I'd rather have the fourth pick too. You talked about it's a PPR league they were talking about, and I think yeah. one of the things that running back, running quarterback does affect is is not going to necessarily check the ball down. He's going to run. So I don't think that I think that Sanders is going to have some of the receptions kind of be deduced, deducted from his production moving forward. And to your point, I don't think he's necessarily a bell cow running back, so I don't think he makes makes up for it because he's, you know, with the yardage rushing. I think this is a guy I definitely would try to flip and take the fourth pick over.
2: Let's hear what Ben had to say.
3: I really like Miles Sanders this year. I think that with Jalen Hurts being the quarterback, it's going to be hard for teams to put all of their attention on Miles Sanders. I think they got to focus on Hurts running the ball as well um but obviously the eagles do not have good receivers they really haven't addressed that too much this offseason either so i'm expecting miles sanders get a lot of carries a lot of catches out of the backfield i love miles sanders keep miles sanders
2: ben disagreeing oh ben we'll teach you soon don't worry <laughs> someday let's get one more question in
3: next question is john and it's mike evans and a fourth round pick uh in 2021 for cam Akers. So
2: Mike Evans and a fourth-round rookie pick in 2021 for Cam Akers, John was asking. Yeah, I do that deal. I do that deal because, you, especially in Dynasty, it's a much easier time finding wide receivers. And if you can get Cam Akers, who looks like he's the next breakout running back, especially what we saw at the end of last season, I don't think Darryl Henderson's going to be in a platoon situation for him. I think he's going to be more of a guy who's going to spell him, not platoon with him. Because the offense was just much more effective when they started giving the ball to Cam Akers 20 times a game. I think Sean McVay will continue with that. Matthew Stafford makes that offense better. They're going to be more prolific. He's going to have more opportunities to score. Mike Evans is great. I, I love Mike Evans. But ultimately, it's harder to find that running back. And that's why I would do the deal. What about you?
0: I tend to agree. I think it depends on what you already have in place as well, though. If you yeah, already kind of a loaded at running back, you know, moving on from Mike Evans, who I think had, in my opinion, a down year last year. Um, I think he has opportunity to have a better year moving forward. Or, and the fourth pick, you know, you don't know what that turns into be, turns out to be. But I think looking at Cam Akers, if you're trying to rebuild your team in a sense and you're building around your running back position, you, you want to have a guy who's up and coming like Akers in your backfield.
2: The other thing that worries me about Mike Evans is the annual hamstring injuries you always have to deal with too, which is kind of annoying. So that's going to do it for the show today, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We will be back next week. I think Chris, I think we're doing the coaching changes fantasy impact next week. Am I correct? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So that, that's a great episode to talk part. about, especially as we're leading into the NFL draft. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, where with these scheme, what these new schemes are, how these players fit in these schemes, what we can expect based off of these schemes. So all of that's going to be coming to you next week. Of course, if anything crazy happens in the NFL, we'll update you on that as well. That'll be part of the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Make sure you're checking out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN. Make sure you're downloading the app. There are really a lot of great sports content, a lot of great sports shows coming out of there 24-7. And make sure you're checking out Belly Up Fantasy Sports for all the articles that have been coming out and all the, we're going to give you the inside edge to really help you be able to win your leagues in fantasy football. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhower. We'll see you guys all real soon. Make sure you subscribe to at BellyUpFantasy, at Belly Up MDFF Show. any chance you have on any social media outlet to see and watch and listen to this show. Take care, guys.
1: See you, Nation.